smaller than a house in San Francisco, Britain? I don't know what's smaller than a house in San Francisco, Matt. What is? A lot of things. However, in this case, I'm thinking of a boat. Many boats are smaller than many houses in San Francisco. This is true. So one of the things uh, I've discovered over the years of selling real estate in San Francisco is if that you take someone house shopping in San Francisco and their frame of reference is a boat, everything is enormous. This is a true story. <laughs> so um, let's, uh, let's travel back in time, or perhaps we should sail back in time, uh, to a deal we did uh, with the sailors. The sailors were two of the sweetest people, weren't they? They're wonderful. I feel like if there's a recurring theme in our stories, it's that we have amazing clients that are really nice. It's 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 very true. We've worked with some phenomenal people over the years. Yes, these sailors were not like those uh, drunken, tattooed, Popeye kind of sailors. They're they, not, were... they weren't pirates. They're not Oracle um, America's Cup type sailors. They were kind of they had a they had a small boat and they lived on it for a while. And sailed all over the world. They sure did. Yeah. And then they decided they were done. (laughs) (laughs) They were ready to be back on terra firma. So as is often the case, uh, these were clients that were referred to us from some other clients. And, you know, they came to us and they said, you know, literally, like, we're living on a boat and we'd like a house and we will take any house. Um, we want a single family house, but we want a house. I believe one half of the couple really wanted at least a little bit of a yard. And that was part of what was driving the single family. Mm-hmm. I believe that's true. And because they were living on a boat, they were totally happy with one bedroom. Uh, if that, you know, fit the numbers. And this was uh, way, way, way back. This was a, this happened in, let's call it 2003-ish. So very different market. We won't even mention prices. Please don't. (laughs) People people will cry. But one-bedroom homes are actually, uh, I love one-bedroom homes. Little one-bedroom single families, I think, are just totally adorable. They're they're not a ton of them, but they're kind of sprinkled throughout the city. And um, yeah, that was kind of a part of their search. We were looking out on the west and, and the southwest and kind of central parts of the city where you find most of our detached single families and um eventually we found one in the sunny side we did and it was so cute it was a um it was a, a flip a contractor had bought it and just made it adorable completely move in condition and it was a, a legal one bedroom with bonus rooms um, no garage, as I recall, if I'm recalling correctly. So, and that was, I believe, kind of one of my first introductions to bonus rooms. Yeah, for sure. And these clients never once said, this house is too small. They didn't because it was bigger than a boat. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the rooms down, one of uh, the requirements in uh, San Francisco city co- code for a habitable room is ceiling height. Uh, and I believe the current code is seven foot six inches. Um, and these rooms down, you know, didn't have that, you know, we're, we're never going to have it unless you dug down. Um, you know, but if you've been living on a boat, high ceilings, once again, it's all relative. It is. They could stand up straight. That was a bonus. They didn't have to bend at the waist. 
And um, the the listing agent who was on the other side of this one uh, is actually a listing agent who's still around, does a lot of deals uh, with contractors who, who renovate properties. And this was the, the first deal that I did with him. So, hey, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you love about the sailors? They were just such nice people they were they were mellow i mean how can you sail around the world and not be mellow they were um they were realistic they knew that they didn't have a huge budget they didn't qualify for the bmr program or any of those because they had been property owners before and they made um a little too much money but they were just really really pleasant to work with um and you know like i said they were realistic knowing that they didn't have a huge budget it's not like they said oh we want a four bedroom three bathroom house with parking for two cars that we don't own yet they said we've lived on a boat we can live in a small space we'll take a one bedroom and they bought a super 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 cute one bedroom that was ideal for them yeah, and um, if I'm recalling correctly, one of them worked in healthcare uh, at a high school, and the other was also somehow in the kind of public service realm, although I can't remember exactly what. And, you know, anytime that we would talk about, you know, is this house or this area, um, there was always kind of this attitude of, like, well, yeah, we can make that work. Yeah, they were just... You know, it, it's... It's not a boat. <laughs> they loved their time on the boat, but when they were ready to be off the boat, they were ready to buy a house that they could afford. And this this house was, there were no compromises with this house. This house was, um, it was perfect for them. You know, and it's kind of an interesting, you know, is the half, is, is, is the half, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? You know, is the house too small? Is, is the house too big? It all comes back to perspective. Um, you know, and sometimes we work with buyers who start with a very specific set of criteria uh, and then we'll kind of expand out if they're not able to, to make that work. And then other times we'll work with folks who love to kind of start like very broad, broad right, with whatever. <laughs> right. And sometimes they stay with whatever, you know, because that's that's really, you know, what works for them. And then sometimes they, they kind of, you know, start to narrow in. Uh, and get more specific over time. And I'm curious if you think there's kind of a better approach. I think that varies by person because in the same way that... Um, it, I think it depends on people's decision-making processes. And some people, um, like we've sat down with, with new buyers before we start the search, and they say, even if I see a place that I love the very first weekend... I'm not going to be able to make a decision until I see 20 or 30 places. And they know that. And so they, that's almost like, that almost requires that they start broad. And you know what the worst thing that can happen to those buyers is? They find a unique place the first week that they'll never replicate. Remember when that happened? It's happened a couple times, yeah. So that's the worst, you know, it's, and they're all, it's almost always in Bernal, right? <laughs> Bernal is not cookie cutter. And it's like, oh, I saw this house and I love it. And this is, you know, my first weekend of seriously looking, you know, what do I do? And, you know, that is, is a tough situation because you're absolutely right. Kind of that style of coming to a final decision requires that level of, of looking around. And as we're talking about this, one of the things that really strikes me is back in the, the olden days when we first had our buyer meetings, one of the things that was really important to buyers was make sure you show me everything. 
right? Like, you know, there was, you know, this hidden real estate thing, right? Like that was, that was a really important thing that, that, you know, agents offered. And I can't remember the last time a buyer meeting had that topic come up. Well, now <laughs> everything's online. And so buyers, I mean, there are still, of course, the off MLS listings that um, you need an agent to get to. Um, but it is information wants to be free. And it used to be a lot more difficult to come by. So but, yeah. but going back to your question about the approach, is it better to um, start broad and narrow or start narrow and broaden out? I, it's, this is anecdotal, but I do think that when people start broad and then focus down, they end up, that's less frustrating than the other way. Because if you say, oh, I only want to look in this neighborhood or in this property type or this era of construction, and then all these other things are coming up on the market that don't fit that criteria, and then they sell. All these other opportunities are passing passing you by if you have a narrow search. And then if you, you, know, you get frustrated and six months later, you expand your horizons, you might look backward at the things that, oh, I could have had that, I could have had that. But if you start broad at the beginning, it seems like it might, um, you start to know what's out there much more quickly. And then you can decide, oh, I don't like that era of construction because the layouts were this, that, or the other thing. And you can eliminate things that no don't work, but you're not missing things that might work because you have artificially narrowed your search. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. I wonder if that's almost kind of the default for any buyer that searches anymore when you start on the internet at this point, which pretty much all buyers do. You know, I'm curious if when they're setting up those initial searches, if they go broad, like show me everything San Francisco up to X, or if it's like, I want a 3-2 in Westwood. Park and, and that's the only thing I could see sellers uh, really kind of tracking you know their property type and neighborhood we do that for a lot of our clients that are seller clients um, but yeah <laughs> yeah no, it's, it's uh, the market education process is very different and these days it's almost like show me less uh, not, not so much show me less but just show me the right things well and also sometimes um, occasionally I'll watch house an episode of house hunters and I always want to kill those people because they say are we talking about the agents or the clients <laughs> sometimes both but the clients are like oh I want I want a house with a brick facade and um, but you know it could be perfect on the inside and is that different than a brick facade? No. Okay. Just with an accent. Nice. You're fancy. I know. <laughs> so they want a brick facade. And, you know, the, like invariably one half of the couple is like, well, this isn't my style. And usually the, like the, you know, the wife says, oh, I want just for an example, I want a traditional Cape Cod Mediterranean um I'm, I'm making this up, but people like they'll say they want like three different styles mushed into one, and then the and then the other one will say, "Well, I want um, traditional with an industrial feel or something, you know, completely incongruous," and then they end up with. Um, so I want to know when they go to the pet store, they're like, "I'd like a kitten with wings and a horn." I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like someone watched the show and they're like, "Oh, there's different styles of homes, and I want a federal." with brick and yeah that and shutters and people are like oh i don't like the shutters take the damn shutters off right you can uh this is this is the reality of a house you can change anything about a house except its location exactly and that especially in san francisco is what you have to remember right location 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 it's, it's like story. it's a trite cliche for a reason um i don't watch uh reality real estate shows because 
they 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 make me sad or they make me angry. Well, yeah, and I don't watch. I've watched a couple episodes of House Hunters, and they do. They make me angry because the people are just so. And it, you know, it's probably all produced because I really don't think that. Maybe maybe people are that crazy in other markets where they're like, oh, I don't like that. There's, I mean, literally, like I don't like the shutters, and oh, I don't like this color. And it's like it's twenty five dollars for a gallon of paint. So, <laughs> some days I wonder if I could sell real estate in areas that were not San Francisco. I generally think the answer is that I could not. <laughs> what do you What do you think, Brittany? I don't know. I hope we never have to find out. <laughs> so back to our sailors. Um, they anchored in this house. I see uh, what you did there. I see, yeah. And uh, like, oh, let's see how far we can go with this. Like barnacles, they've never moved. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were going to be doing all sorts of metaphors. I'm not prepared. So I guess if there's a, a takeaway from, from this podcast, um, number one, one-bedroom homes are absolutely adorable. Uh, they are kind of rare. You don't see a ton of them. But we have a we have a colleague and dear friend who has one very close to us. It's an orbs. And yeah, completely. And uh, realistic expectations. Um, you know, it's obviously market education is a process, but uh, you know the perspective you bring to the process uh, really kind of informs how that process plays out. I concur. And you know what you can say about a house in San Francisco? It's bigger than a boat. It's bigger than a boat. Thank mm-hmm. you.